0: Our Precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to be here and to worship you now to listen to your word. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so um, we are looking at, like I said last Sunday, we're halfway almost, so we're taking stock, trying to check on what we set out to do was to teach them the riches that God gave us in Christ. The real riches and the greatest loss to a man is not the loss of, of dollar. It's to go to your grave without enjoying any of these riches or enjoying them to the maximum. That would be the greatest loss of any human being. That Jesus died with his life to make this available and you didn't enjoy it. That's to me, is the greatest loss of any life. So it's important that we, we hear it and again remind ourselves, and if you've heard it before, please understand that this message is going outside this country. There are many people who are listening who are also giving testimonies of how God has changed their lives and taught them a couple of things. So it's just not for you, it's for as many as the Spirit of God is sending us to. So we are looking at blessed, the riches of Christ for us, the riches of Christ for us. So that's why we say we are blessed. Ephesians 3, 8. <clears throat> I have been made a messenger of this wonderful muse by the gift of grace, by the gift of grace, by the gift of what? Grace that walks through me. When you read the Bible, please read it in between lines and take care of how the Holy Spirit is communicating to you. Even though I am the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace alone empowers me. Grace alone empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people, non Jewish people, sharing with them the unfading. Number one, this is unfading. That's what we said last Sunday. It's irrevocable. It's unfading, inexhaustible, riches of Christ. Unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension, completely beyond comprehension. You know, yesterday we were talking about you know money matters and the couples were full and that was awesome. wonderful. this morning the Lord was talking to me. He Said, "Do you know that if people understand the Holy Spirit, money will chase them?" He said, "I I said it in my word that these things will chase you, overtake you." You see, I'm not supposed to chase them; they're inferior. You were exalted, sitting with Jesus. They should chase you and serve you. He so said, I created everything to serve my children. I said, well, that's true. They so reminded them. he said, remember the one I called the fool was the one that had a lot of money but was not, was not rich with God? He said, he said, I tell you who is rich and who is not. He so said, I don't measure riches with money. I measure with my will. Can I hear amen? Man, you know, he teaches I don't know. So he teaches me too because I really don't know a lot. So he teaches me. From, if I finish preaching now, later in the day, start going through it, teaching me too myself. So the riches of Christ, every, every Christian must be familiar with them and don't toy with them because that is what makes every other thing come. It makes every other thing come. Every other thing follows you. Every other thing follows you. So as we as we get into the middle of the year, we need to text talk again, revisit these things because when we set out to teach people this, we are not joking. We meant that people should understand them, live by them, experience them, and then and then have the reality of Christ in their lives. So Jesus is not a story. It's not what your Sunday school teacher told you. It's not something new. It's some, somebody you have come to test and know and find out that Jesus is real. That Jesus is totally real. That the Bible is a living word of God, and you can trust it with your life. Here, in, um, we say that the first blessing that we have is the blessing himself, who is Christ. The Bible said the blessing of God, it make it what? Rich. It didn't say the blessings. Use one word, the blessing. The blessing of God make it rich. That blessing is Christ himself. Colossians one 30, 30, twenty-seven. For God wanted them to know that the riches, God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles. The riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles, too. And this is the secret of assessing them. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in this inheritance and the glory of God. Christ, the presence of Jesus in us. It's the primary blessing we have. The primary blessing we have. The scripture say, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And then, that's what God was telling me. He said, I tell you. He said, Remember, I said there are people who have bad success and some people have good success. He said, I tell you, I succeeded in this life. He said, You succeed today, extent you live my will in your life. You live my will with your life, with your money, with everything. That's today's thing to the extent you succeed. So he has come and become our strength, through which we can do all things. His presence has made available to you and to me strength we didn't have, we couldn't have any other way. He has become our strength. And David was talking about, remember David was a prophet. David was talking about these things way before it happened. In Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I what? Fear? The Lord is the what? The strength of my life. Which means I do things through him. That's what Paul said, I found the secret of life. That whether I have anything or don't have, I don't depend on what I have. That's what Paul is saying. He said, whether I have or don't have, I don't depend on them. He said, I can do all things through Christ. So It doesn't depend on what I have or what I don't have. I have people I have no connection. He said, Paul, I don't live on that. I don't follow that. I depend on Christ alone. He said, I can do all things, not through what I have or what I don't have. So if I don't have this, I'm not going to pass the place Nothing about it. I can still do all things. Because all things are possible only to those that what? Believe. That's what Paul was saying. The Lord has become our strength. Can you say that? The Lord is now my strength. Come on, say it louder. The Lord is now my strength. So of whom shall I fear? See, that's what the scripture says. Because of the greater one in you, you have overcome them. They don't have any power to overcome the strength that God has imparted. And So David continued to say, he said, When the wicked, even my enemies and foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host shall camp against me, my heart shall not fear. My heart shall what? Not fear. They shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired. So when he said, in this will I be confident, in what? It's the strength that keeps me, the strength. The Lord is now my strength. Why should I be afraid of anything? It doesn't matter the, the, the news you give me, my, the strength, the power that working in me. The strength of Israel is greater than that. Jesus, David said, in this is my confidence. Though what comes, though you give me this, though people say this is my, I, this is my confidence, the Lord is now my strength. Therefore, I won't fear anything. Verse four. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I would, that I, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Those of you who are not knowing the importance of coming to church, read the Bible. You see, when God tells you to do something, don't be wiser than him. He created you, he created this world. He knows what works and doesn't work. He said, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself. What? As the manner of Psalm. Here is David saying, one thing I desire of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. How? All the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. So you'll be in the Sunday school. You'll be in the life center. To inquire in his temple. To be taught. That's right. For in the time of trouble, what will happen now? He shall hide me in his uh, pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifice of joy. So you start praise worship. You joined in the praise worship. Sacrifice of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. David prophesied this before we have him. Ephesians 3, grace, grace alone empowers me. Grace alone. You remember what God told Paul? My grace is what? Sufficient. My grace can handle anything. What is grace? Grace is God's power working on your behalf. Grace is simply God's divine power intervention on your behalf. Grace power working for you. That's grace. Christ is the grace of God because Christ is the power of God that saves us. 2 Corinthians one twenty it is God who enables us. It is God who what? Enables us. What does he enable us to do? Along with you to stand firm for Christ. It is him that enables you to stand. If he doesn't help you, you cannot stand. It's him. That's because he's our strength. Now, in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what places him. You see what Christ in us is doing, that strength is doing. He's the one working in us, the one giving us the desire, giving us the will, the understanding to, do, to make choices. That because some things he'll, he'll guide us to do, they look foolish. They don't look... <laughs> you, I was telling you yesterday, I said divine investment, you may not learn it in any business school. I'm telling you, what God will ask you to do, you may not lie anywhere. Else. They look; They usually look foolish. It doesn't come from the human mind anyway. It comes from his spirit. What God will instruct you to do sometimes, believe you me, if you tell people, they will say you are foolish. But that's what he will bless. He said, I want to make the, f- the wisdom of the wise to be what? Foolish. Therefore, I've chosen foolishness. Giving you desire and power to do what pleases him. Jude 24. Can we read Jude 24 together? Let's go. One, to go. Now, unto him that is what? Able to do what? Keep you from... So who is keeping you from falling? Christ. Keep you from falling. And to present you what? Faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's the one that keeps us from from falling. Is one. So you can understand when Paul now said about Jesus Christ in Galatia 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who is my strength, who is my wisdom, who is my life, who is all that matters, and without him I can do nothing. I trust in him. Because he loved me and gave himself for me. So you can see all that blessing. I'm not just talking about the presence of Christ in us. The blessing is Christ in us. It's Christ in us. There's nobody that has Christ in him who who, who ought to think he's hopeless. That's a misnomer. You can't have Christ and think in terms of being hopeless. No. Christ is the hope of what? Glory. Not the hope of shame. I don't care how that thing is. He will guide you out of it he handled handle it, he'll restore it, he'll walk it out, he'll lift you out of it, and then you look around and see what the salvation of Israel has done for you. Can I hear M.M. here? Now, the, the, let's go on. The other one is that we are sons of God. We are sons of God. I don't know anybody who has gone to God and thanked God and say, Lord, I thank you, I'm not a son of God. We take it for granted. But those are blessings that God has conferred on us. You can imagine if, you are, if today they make you the son of President Biden. You won't come to church another two months. I'm telling you, I'm not coming here. Because all the security will be now following you, and dollar will come. The first thing you want to do is to pay off your school debt. You won't pay tight, your school debt first. I'm telling you what to do, and then, you know, If you see me now, you'll be greeting me from a... "Ah," I said, that used to be our past. It used to. It's no more used to. Because you have become President Biden's uh, Pekin. Brethren, what you are talking about is for real. If you change status now by reason, for instance, if you change status by reason of winning a lot of money, your attitude and behavior changes along with it. It's simply normal. People who didn't greet you before we call you uncle. And they will remind you that your great-grandmother and their grandmother were friends. That they went to the same school. Same in secondary school in Okinawa or somewhere. <laughs> All those places that are not in the map. Have anybody been to Mbili? Not those places. You have been to Mbili. I don't want to call some other names around. Do. This is natural. Now God says you are my son. I would, it doesn't even you don't even think it's anything. God says you are my son. Are you, to you, it, doesn't mean it. But it's everything in the world. It automatically changes your status. Automatically changes your status. Your thinking must change along with that. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you. I'm a son of who? God. I'm a son of God. He confers on you privileges that you can't get any other way. The only way you, bec- the only way you become a son of God is Christ in you. Period. There's no other way to become a son of God. Second Corinthians one twenty two, And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts, as the first instrument that guarantees everything he has promised us is our own. He has identified us by placing his spirit in us. That's why we call him Abba Father. Have you been in trouble and all you say is, Daddy, he comes. I'm not kidding. He loves us with love we'll never understand. He shows up. He shows up. I'm not kidding you, he, that's my son. You daddy, oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. he shows up because he has an everlasting covenant with you amen. as your father. Can I hear amen? amen. He shows up. In, in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become what? So-so-so. Even to them that believe in his name. That's all. Those that I receive them him, in whom Christ lives, who believe in his name. There is no, brethren, read the Bible and don't make God a liar. There is no other prescription I read there that I'm supposed to do. As many as receive Christ and believe in his name, that is your Savior. God said, you are now my son. Don't, don't put anything. The, look, the scripture warned us in Revelation, so don't add to my words and don't remove from it. If you have the, that habit of doing that, you are running a risk of your name, name being struck out. It's a serious thing to, to take the word of God and toy with it. I said on Sunday, be careful what you teach people because you are going to answer to God. You are. Be careful. Very, very careful. Praise the Lord. So, Romans eight fifteen. So, you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own Children, now we can call him what? Abba Father. Abba Father is not just Father. It's my dear Father. I I, I was speaking some in Boston. My my daughter, Kizzy, uh, he calls me Namu. I told him I said that name is not just a Nam. He says Namu. I says it's like my dear Father. I said in Hebrew language, it goes further. To say, this is my dear father. And that's true. And when I said, let me bless you as your father, the anointing of God exploded. I'm telling. I'm really telling you the truth. Because he said, namo, That's what they caused me. I was explaining to them, I said, it's not just nnamo. He said, namo, which means that my dear father, my father that I love, God says, "That's who I am. I'm not just father to you. I'm your dear father, Abba, father, the father that loves you, the father that cares about you. Then everything that Jesus is and has becomes ours. In Romans 8:17, "And since we are His true children, we're qualified to share all His treasures. Because we are His true children, we're qualified to share. His treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God Himself. We are heirs of God Himself, which means everything God has, you have. And since we are joined to Christ, listen to this one. Since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all He is and all that He has. All he is, and all he has has become mine. That's why Paul wrote, he said, This gift is beyond human comprehension. He said, No human being can articulate this thing. He said, The Holy Spirit teaches it to you. All he is, all he has, all this bigger, bigger thing is because we don't understand all of this. It's all yours. It's all what? Yes. All he is and all he has. Can you say it with me? All he is, all he, is. All he has, all he has and are i mine. All say it one more time. All, all, he is, all he is and all he has, all he has and are now mine. Now say it louder, let me hear you. I won't say anything. All he is, and all he has, and mine. Now part of who he is. We have is his life. That's why you have his life. That's why you're a son of God, because he's a son of God. That's why you're seated at heavenly places where he's seated. All he is, all he has, not yours. Irrevocable. This is not religion. It's Christianity. Romans 6 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gifts of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, what is this gift of? What is this eternal life? You should know that and be familiar with it. 1 John five eleven, And this is this record that God had given to us, what? Eternal life. And this life is where? So the life you have in your spirit is the life that is in Christ. All he is and all he has is yours, including his life. Think of it. I heard from Dr. Onoza one time, he went to somewhere and then, you know, these prostitutes in Lagos. So one of them came to him. And he said to the woman, I'm a dead man. The woman said, what do you mean dead man? He said, you are talking to a dead man. They get turned and they took off. What he was telling him is that it is no longer I that live it, birth Christ. He said, I've died. I'm living new. You are talking to a dead. I don't respond to this. All he it is. His life. is ours. Let's finish that. In first John 5:12, he that had the son had what? Life. And he that had not the son of God had not life. Simple. You know, oh, uh, we are all sons of God. No, we are not all sons of God. No, no. Do you have the son? If you don't have the son, you're not. There's no argument about it. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? That you may know then that you have eternal life. That's all. And that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Just keep believing. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You have eternal life. You have His life. You have His Spirit. Then also we also have the right to stand before God. All he has, all he is, is ours. He has a right. Does Jesus have a right to stand before the Father? You are not answering me. This side is not talking. Does does he have the right to stand before the Father? Now let's teach them. Does he have a right to stand before the Father? Then you have the same right. Because all he is, all he has, has become That's why he said, I go to my father and to your father. All he is, all he has, he has a right to come to the father. You too have a right to come to the father. Romans 5.1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. It transfers God's God's what? Righteousness to us. The righteousness of God. How righteous God is, is what is transferred. You didn't achieve it. It's called gift. Us and He now declares us flawless in His sight because God is flawless. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What Incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. There is no other way a person gets this privilege of enjoying the right standing of Christ before God, except by having Christ in him. There is no other way. Romans 3.20. For no one can be ever made right with God by doing what the law commands. Nobody can get it by doing. Nobody has ever obeyed the law, all of it. Nobody. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now, let me read it in New King James Version. It says, "Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, no, f- let's read it together. Want to go? Let's go. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no f- stop, no what, includes you and me. It's daydreaming. No flesh will be justified in His sight. No." For by the law is the knowledge of what? Sin. No flesh. No flesh. Now, the Pharisees were insistent that they were just and they were righteous. You know, that was what the main thing Jesus confronted when he came here was the Pharisees. They were the ruling class, they were the religious elites. And the law was handed over to them. Jesus said to them, He said, Hey, Whatever these people are teaching to you, listen to Because they sit on the seat of Moses. He said, but don't behave like this. Don't do what they're doing. Because they're teaching you all these things, and they can't keep them. And you can't keep them either, all of you. They're teaching you all these things, you can't keep them. And you can't keep them. They're supposed to show you you are sinful. So he said, they sit on Moses' seat. He said, listen to them. Because the law was given by God. But the law was given by God. But the Lord reveals to us, we can't keep it. That's one big lesson. That's why the Bible says, no man is justified before God by the Lord. He reveals that we are sinful, that we are not able to keep it all. So we run to Christ for salvation. Can I hear amen? The Lord drives you to Christ. So when he came these people confronted him. Hey, what must we do to have eternal life? This thing you are teaching us. What must we do? Everywhere he went, they were confronting him. They said, we know Moses spoke to us. But you, where are you coming from? Everywhere. They rejected him, killed him. Listen to this conversation between him and them. In John chapter 5, verse 21. For as the, This is Jesus talking. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. Jesus is telling them, I'm the only one who can give you life. You're all dead. You don't have life. Now, in verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. See, the everlasting life doesn't come by what you do. Then, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Verse 26, for as the father had life in himself, he repeats this, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. Go to verse 29. And come forth. and those who have done good to the resurrection life and those who have done evil to resurrection of condemnation. You, know, you think now that he's preaching law. No, no, no. What he's saying is, that if you don't have this life, you can't live it. If you don't have it, you can't do good. That, he, he told them, it's different places he said... <laughs> He said, how can you do good that you are vipers? You are sons of what? Vipers. You are evil. He said, how can anybody evil do good? He said, you can't do good because you don't have the life of God in you. Good comes from God. It doesn't come from man. Can I hear amen? So he was telling them, you can't live this everlasting life now. You don't have it because this life is in me. If I don't give it to you, how can you live what you don't have? So in verse, in, verse, in verse 30, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. 39, you cite the scripture, you do all those, all those religious things, you cite the scriptures, for in them you think you have, in them you think you have what? Eternal life. And these are they which testify about who? Me. It's pointing you to me. Why? Verse 40. But you, will, you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Said, I came to give you life and to give you life more. But you are not willing to come. You think you have life by your religious observances and all those things you are doing. You are dead people. You don't have life. For we are all dead in sin and trespasses. You don't have life. Are you following me? If you are following me, say Amen. M-m. Because a lot of people today are still in this boat. They won't accept the righteousness of God. They think they they can behave like Pharisees and get life by what? No, life is from God. He said, as the Father has life in himself and gives gives life to the dead, the same way all of you are dead. You can only receive life from me and, and you'll be resurrected from your dead. Because sin has killed all of you. Matthew fifteen nine, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You see, they will not hear what Jesus is saying. Verse ten, and he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth to defile it, defileth a man, but that which, which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Verse twelve. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Sir. Knowest thou that the Pharisees were what? Were what? Were what? I want to make sure you are following me. Were what? They were offended after they had this saying. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not what, planted shall be what? He said, all that their system will be uprooted. Then verse 14. Let them alone. They be blind <laughs> leaders of the blind. And if they blind lead the blind, both shall fall. Where? You know why they are blind? They rejected the light of the world. Now, in Matthew 12, 33, Jesus is teaching them that your nature is evil. For he told them, say you are dead. Number two, your nature is evil. You can't do good. In Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its Fruit by. For a tree is known by its fruit. Then he calls them brood of vipers. How can you, being able, speak good things? How can good come out of you? All this is your self-righteousness. All this you your keeping the love. Jesus said, good cannot come out of you. For all have sin. Good cannot come. You can't come. You're falling short of the glory of God. You can't go get to the glory of God. You're done. You are brood of vipers. Verse 34. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Then he says, a good man now, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure Brings forth evil things. Matthew 23 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you are a bunch of what? Hypocrites. For you are like unto whitest sepulchre, which indeed appear beautiful outside, but are within full of what? They mean, boom, so you are dead. Inside of you is rotten. Your righteousness is filthy. They won't understand it and of all uncleanness, verse 28, even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and uh, iniquity, verse, John eight forty-four. you are of your father, the devil, see what he's telling them, <laughs> he say you are rotten, and the devil is your father, you are the father of the devil, and the desires of your father, you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you will not believe me. I came to give you life. You won't believe it. You're not righteous. I came to give you righteousness. No, you will take it. Then John eight twenty four. John eight twenty four. Can we read it together, everybody? Let's go. I say therefore unto you, that he told them the the truth. He said, "Hey, you will all die in your sins, except you believe in me. If you don't believe in me, all of you will die in your sins, all of you." I say therefore, because all this I've been telling you. I say therefore unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. All this you are—that's what he was saying. He said, "Every tree not planted by my Father shall be what uprooted." He said they are going to die in their sins, except they believe in Me. Some people don't understand it up to today. They think they are so good, and they will die in their sins. Yeah. Romans ten three. For they, they being ignorant of God's righteousness. We're just talking about this. And seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They were seeking to prove that they are good. <laughs> they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. You believe in Him, he, you are given the gift of His righteousness. God gives you life, God makes you righteous. If you understand me, shout hallelujah. Peter said in Acts chapter 15 verse 10, so why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentiles believers with a yoke that neither we what is the yoke? Is the yoke of the law. He said, the yoke. The yoke. The yoke. The yoke. They're building these believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. 11. We believe that we are all saved the same way By undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not by all this loss, by burdening them with all this loss. No, it is Christ that saves you, and Christ becomes your strength, becomes your ability to live this life that He gives you. All of it is from Him. Matthew twenty-three, verse one. Then spake Jesus to the multitudes and said to his disciples, "See, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. You see." Or therefore, whatever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not be do not after their own works. Do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. That's what Peter is saying. He said, This yoke, don't put it on believers. Don't do that. He said they do this, they put it on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with ones of their what? They are not able to. You know, I met one pastor. He said, I said Pastor, he said, I'm teaching personal holiness. I said, what does that mean? He said, I'm teaching personal holiness. I said, wonderful. I came near. I said, are you holy yourself? He looked at me. I said, no, no. We're having a conversation. Are you holy? He didn't answer me. I said, if you are not holy, how are you teaching what you don't know how to do? That ended the conversation. Right there. Right Because the, the route to holiness is through faith in Christ. Only Christ can make you what? Paul said, the grace of God made me what I am. Undeserved activity of the Holy Spirit gives me the will to obey God, gives me the ability to do this, teaches me things of life, shows me slides that the devil is trapping me. Simple things you think they are ordinary, but the devil uses it as a trap to pull you from the faith. It's the Spirit of God that will guide you away from the trap of the fowler and deliver you from all those things. Without Christ, we can do nothing. That's why Paul said, I live by faith in him alone. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you that labor, and then I have you what? Lady, with all these things, I will give you rest. You are done. Stop struggling. Just come. Hand it over me. Give it to me. I have become your strength. I have become your wisdom. I have become your light. I have become your life. I have become your everything. And I will guide you through life. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. But you have to enter into my rest. Rely on me alone. The things that are not possible with men, possible with me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me from meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest, not trouble. You shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is. Bad. You know, the Lord was reminding me, he said, Do You know, the owner of Caterpillar. Caterpillar. He, 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 he was the richest man in this country. And he paid that of 90%. 10% of the money he had was running into millions. You know how he made money? The Spirit of God gave him ideas of how to build this. How to, and he literally didn't go to school. The Spirit of God taught him. During the war, when they were having difficulty, he taught him a lot of machinery. He would draw it on paper and bring it to engineers. Everybody would baffle. But he had patent on them, so he wasn't struggling, and money was pursuing him. So he, he was not sponsoring Billy Graham's crusades. He was not sponsoring. He was sponsoring all these programs of. He's sponsoring all of them. Thing was free. but I mean, if I have the kind of millions he have, I can give God ninety-five percent, because if five percent is running into millions, it's okay. But I'm not telling you gospel truth. Research it. Find it out for yourself. God would come in the night and tell him, this is how you construct this and do this and do this. And do this and do this. And do this. He would get up and be writing it on paper, drawing it. He never went to school. Never. He had patents all over the place. I can give you examples of one of man that was a slave in South African America. God taught him how to make a lot of things from peanut butter. 35 products from peanut butter. You don't learn it in school. All the wisdom resides in him. Can I hear Amen, M-M, Church? Your Amen M-M is not strong this morning. Are you fasting? I said, Can I hear M-M? Amen? Yeah. Burden of life, she don't carry it. Say, give it to me. Have rest. You're done. You say, Enter my rest. Cease from all your. Le- I will guide you. I am your strength. I will teach you. I will protect you. I will heal you. I am your righteousness too. Now let's look at this life and health, which is also a blessing that we have. Isaiah 53. Now we're reading this translation that that is a Young's literal translation because I had to go all the way to that to find out the true translation of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 has three major things it, it talks about. Listen, listen to me. First of all, it talks about Christ. Christ, the, the sacrifice for us. Number two, it talks about Jesus, that God made him sick by piercing him so that we will be healed. Number three, it talks about Christ, that because of his sacrifice on the cross, God cancels righteous. That's the theme of Isaiah 53. All the Christ, the sacrifice for our sins. Number two, Christ through whom God healed us. Number three, Christ through whom God counted us as what? Righteous. Look, let's read it. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who, I'm reading Young Literal Translation. You may not have it in your, your Bible. You have King James Version, right? Yeah, your members are reducing every day. Members of Kim Jong Un's version died. Broke <laughs> for their president. <laughs> Let's read this one Young Literal Translation. Verse 1. Who had given credence to, which, to that which we had? The arm of Jehovah, on whom had he been revealed? Verse 3. Look at verse 3. He is despised and left of men, a man of what? Pains. Acquainted with what? Do you know why the translator removed sickness and pain? They didn't believe that healing is for us today. So they put grief and sorrow. That's what they did. They didn't believe that healing. So they said, oh, these people who are praying for this. There was a time if you talk of praying for the sick, Christians will persecute you. So all these, all these people that went to theological colleges, they didn't believe that healing. They said that God had replaced healing... Um, Uh, uh, healing with doctors and hospitals, so we don't need that healing. So That's what they believed. And they were teaching it in their theological colleges. So when they were translating this, they removed pain and sickness and put sorrow and pain. I mean, put sorrow and grief. That's what they did. That's what they did. I heard it from somebody, one of the translators resigned. He said, that's not true. He said, that's not true. I'm not going to translate this in the way people are putting it. That man told this pastor, this is what happened. So uh, that's why I went to Young Ritra Translation to find out this man Is a professor of Hebrew Translated this thing the way it is himself Renowned He was translating for the American government Now this is what he wrote He is despised and left of men A man of pains, Acquainted with what? Sickness And as one hiding the face from us He is despised and we esteem him not Verse 4 Surely, everybody says surely now Surely our sicknesses he had. Born. If you read King James, it will say grief, sorrow. That's what they put there. But what he said is our sicknesses he had what? Born. And our pains he had what? Kind. That's what he says there. And we have esteemed him plagued smitten of God and afflicted. What's the next verse? Verse 5. Verse 5. And he's pierced for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, the testament of our peace on him, and by his bruise, there is what? Healing to us. I took this to God in prayer and the Holy Spirit said, Correct. And taught me this practically. I spoke to symptoms on this thing. They ran like rats. God told me this is the correct translation. This is the correct translation. He said, He said, healing is in the atonement. That when Jesus paid for your sins, then all the consequences of sin is taken away from you. All of it. And by his bruise, there is healing to us. They they say by his trash, we are here. So finally, they didn't know how to change this one. (laughs) So they have to agree. But now, this man brought it out. By his bruise, there is healing for us. Verse 10. Verse 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. Is that correct? He had made him what? Sick. If you bruise me, is it not making me sick? He made him sick. If his soul doth make an offering for guilt, he seeketh seed, he prolongeth days, and the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand doth prosper. The pleasure of God in his hand prospered. What is his pleasure? He made him sick so that I be well. That's his pleasure. I read it to the devil. I say, devil, the pleasure of God was prospered in Jesus. He bruised him, made him sick. By bruising him, so that I'll be well. I say now you can't cross this. You can't cross this line. It's settled. Let's go to verse eleven. So you see, also, it's talking about righteousness is granted us also by the suffering of Christ. For the labor of his soul is he, he, he see it, he's satisfied. Yeah, satisfied through his knowledge. Give what. Righteousness, dot, the righteous one, my servant, to many, their iniquity, he, dot, be. That will tell you the language of 18something. You were not born then. so that's why this dot something and dot. Through his knowledge, give righteousness, dot, righteous one, my servant, to many. Through his knowledge, righteousness was given to us. Healing was granted us. He bore our sins. Can I hear amen? Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. I want you to, if you really believe that, say amen. Now, we have freedom from (coughs) Satan. Freedom from Satan and sin. The greatest deliverance, look up here. Let me tell you something. The greatest deliverance is not this, uh, people who sleep, say they're fighting, they are fighting, never forget about all of that. The greatest deliverance, listen to me, is that God changed your sinful nature. That's the greatest deliverance, that God delivered you from that sinful nature that gave Satan access to your spirit. And then put his nature in you that denies Satan access to your spirit. That's the greatest deliverance. With that singular act, the devil is disarmed. Because what attracts him is sin. Come on, church. So when God came in Christ, he cut off your sinful nature. And only him can do that. Cut off your sinful nature, put his nature, put his spirit. You became his temple, and the devil can't come there anymore. He's out. You say, but yes, he can oppress your flesh, but not your spirit. Never again. Impossible. Because your spirit is joined to Christ. The devil can't touch it. That's why, out of your spirit, you can rebuke him and say, Take hands off my body. All the sickness we feel is in the body. It's your body, your process. Not your spirit. Church, can I hear amen? amen? You know there are people who are in coma. You're talking, they're hearing. Some of them, when they come out of coma, They tell you things you said. Because their spirit was there alive. Very much alive. So Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, none of us can boast about it. 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. Where? In Christ Jesus. So, we can now do the good things He planned for us long ago. So, if He didn't create you new and give you new life, you can't do them. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5:14, either way, Christ's love now controls us. That's how God will sing. He gave us new life, took away this one that is sinful. gave us new life, so we can now live it. So now in Second Corinthians five fourteen, either where Christ's love, what, controls us, since we believe. You see, this is a function of what you believe. If you believe that Christ died for you, you also believe that you have died to your old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Once you believe he died for you, you believe you die for your old life. Then your new life kicks in starts working. That's how it works. He said, now, you now believing, believe him, you, They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. The love of Christ begins to control you. It's a very simple thing. It's not a tough disposition at all. It's not a matter of faith. Let me read it again. Either way, Christ's love controls us. How does it control, control us? Since we believe that Christ died for all, it's an act of believing. It's not what's like, okay, from today I'm going to love uh, my sister. Let me tell you, you, you will do worse than when you started. You will do worse. But when you switch over to what Christ did and begin to believe and say, you know what? The love of Christ is what is in me. You see, the old nature that I used to hate is dead. I have a new nature that loves. Lord, I give you praise for that. You see, that new nature begins to unfold. When you see her without effort, want to hug her. But your flesh will recoil at like that. But you say to your flesh, you don't control me. Hey, somebody shout hallelujah. No, you don't control me. No, no, you don't control me. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm born again. I'm not going back to your activity. You are not my boss. Jesus is my boss. And then the more you do that, the more that love is, and the more that love is, the more that love is. And over time, the anointing in you will begin to touch that person. We begin to touch that person and begin to bring influence, and his mind begins to change. As he's thinking of what you are doing, he goes to bed, he will sleep. He's thinking of how much you love him. Can I hear amen? amen? Are you following me this morning? Or did I lose you? If you are with me, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. My time is up. Let's bow, bow our heads to pray. I want you to thank God for these riches. You can't <coughs> can say you are rich when you are being controlled by iniquity. When you are being controlled by iniquity controlled by iniquity, controlled by the devil. You can't say you're rich where you're not living free. The Americans say they they would rather die than not live free. You should live in freedom that Christ bought for you. Before you can do anything else, you need to live in freedom. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. That's a blessing of immeasurable dimensions. That Christ lives in you, that God lives in you is a blessing of immeasurable dimension. You miss on these riches of Christ, you have lost the greatest things in your life. I'm not kidding you. You pass through this world like a normal human being. That's a huge loss. Where you should flourish in it. Where you should walk in the glory every day. scripture says we give God thanks always we give him thanks always for these things always not sometimes father we just want to thank you again for reminding us of these things as we come halfway through the year you want us to take stock. want us to see which ones we are enjoying which ones we are not so we can go back to you in prayer to find out where we are missing it and why it's not working for us. Then you can direct our footsteps. Then you can teach us further in distance. For your will is for us to enjoy the fullness of Christ. All the riches of Christ are ours. All of them. They are all ours. And that's what makes our life fulfilled. And brings us the fullness of joy. Thank you again, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.